podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the IFL TV podcast, proudly sponsored by Everlast. This is Coogan Cassis for IFL TV, proudly sponsored by Everlast. Delighted as always to be joined by Eddie Hearn. Rough week? What are you trying to say? Oh, rough week, what? No, no, I'm just saying rough week. Oh, why? Because Canelo lost. No, we work with Dimitri Bivol as well. It's boxing. I thought you meant because I look rough, but no. Uh, it was it was a surprise defeat, I think. I mean, but I did tell everyone, if you watch the interviews, that this was a really, really tough fight. And I also said that Canelo really has no right to be up at 175 pounds, but he is the pound for pound number one. And I thought Dimitri Bivol just boxed the absolute perfect fight. Um was Canelo, you know, did he have a good camp? Did he get the tactics right? Did, I mean, all of this stuff you can start discussing, but we should just give credit to Bivol because he was brilliant in the fight and deserved the winner. Um, let's talk about the scoring, first of all. What did you make of the judges, all judges, having uh, Canelo up after four rounds? What did you make of the 115-113? Because in hindsight, if... Um, Bivol not won that last round, we could be talking about a completely different situation here. Yeah, I mean, firstly, <laughs> in a good way, it was good to have some consistency in the scorecards, whether they were right or wrong. You know, sometimes you get 117, 111 one way and 117, 111 the other way. Um, a lot of the early rounds are very close. For me, Canelo certainly didn't win all four rounds of the opening rounds. I did have it quite close after four rounds. The difference in the fight for me was the back end of the fight particularly from 9, 10, 11, and 12, which I gave Bivol most of those rounds. I actually had it quite close after six or seven rounds, and then I felt like Bivol just ran away with it. I didn't think the scorecards, I think it could have been a round wider for Bivol, but I didn't, I didn't think that it was, some people talking about 10-2 and stuff like that, I'm not so sure. Um, a lot of tough rounds to score, a lot of fighters taking shots on the gloves, as the fight developed, Canelo taking more on the chin than the gloves. But early on, there was a lot of work on the gloves and particularly on Bivol's arms. And, you know, I mean, are you even scoring an arm punch? It's actually quite interesting. What do you think about that? If you score in a body shot and someone's whacking you around the arm, are you scoring that? Well, you could refer back to Callum Smith's fight with um, yeah, but I want the, Canelo. That's nothing to do with the scoring because he was winning those rounds regardless. But if you're hitting part of the body, are you scoring? Quite interesting. Subjective. I, I still think Bivol won the fight, by the way. It's just, just a random thought that came into my mind. Um, so when I got into the ring, you know, I was, I was, I felt Bivol won the fight, and I felt he was going to get the decision as well, quite frankly. And it would have been a shame if he didn't. I know, you know, Sal said he felt like he won the fight and there's a lot of close rounds. I think when he watches it back, I think he'll feel that the right man won on the night. Um, but I do think it was a closer fight than some people, you know, people talk about 10-2 and stuff like that. I didn't see Is 8-4 more accurate? Yeah, yeah maybe. Four. I definitely gave Sal four rounds. Maybe five, but anyway, it's, it, Bivol won the fight and he got the decision. So thankfully, all the judges were were correct. Should it have been wider? It's up for, up for discussion. Is there a fair argument that there isn't... I know we're probably more than likely going to see a rematch, but 
the want of wanting to see a rematch, if that makes sense, isn't as great as you make out maybe? Is that... <laughs> no, I think... I think the rematch is very interesting. I think Sal would adapt in the rematch. Maybe he will train better. Maybe they'll have a better camp. I don't know, but it's a massive fight. It's, but it's also back-to-back -back defeats. You're talking about, and you know, what I saw some clips of the Peter Fury interview. It isn't a remarkable sport, isn't it? Where you've got a guy who is the pound-for-pound -pound number one who goes, basically, I've beaten everyone at middle and super middle, so I just want obscene challenges so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go up to 175 which I'm really like a big middleweight and I'm going to basically take on the best champion or the freshest champion in that division to try and you know keep testing myself gets beat and it's like oh he's overrated that Canelo Alvarez so but now you look at it and you say well he's an underdog going into that rematch so two back-to-back -back defeats he certainly realised that 168 is his weight class. You know, he, he's not silly, he, he know, but he knew that originally. But he's also really wants to rematch Dimitri Bivol. Um, I think the move may be um, to even look at fighting Gennady Golovkin and then Dimitri Bivol. But Saul... And Eddie, you know, they, they believe they can beat Dimitri Bivol. And if they believe they can beat him, there's a very good chance they'll take that challenge again next. Um, interesting comments from Dimitri Bivol talking about he could move to 168 and rematch him for the undisputed. Because also Dimitri Bivol's thinking, don't forget, Dimitri Bivol took the Canelo fight for, for legacy, for greatness. But he also wants to... Unify World Championships wants to be undisputed himself. And obviously there's the better be a fight, which isn't available in the, the very near future. That could happen in December, that undisputed fight between those two. But also he could move to 68 and do the rematch for the undisputed. But I also think Canelo wouldn't want to fight him at 68 because everyone, every, this is like, you know that, that Canelo deal against Bivol? So Bivol would have taken a catch weight with like just you would have had to ask him the question. Canelo said, I don't want to do catchweight. It doesn't look right. If I'm going to move, I don't want to feel like people are saying, yeah, but you're getting him to this. Bivol would have done a rehydration. No problem. Canelo went, no, don't do the rehydration because people will like, and all these things, yet people still criticize him. So it's, it's a remarkable really, but I'm going to catch up with him this week and plan what's next. Still, listen, still the biggest star in, boxing still the biggest star in America but got beat by a very good world champion who boxed perfectly on the night <laughs> we are talking about someone a few months ago that was considering going to cruise away as well and there's even there was even talk obviously before the fight of this fight with Alexander Usek at, you know a little bit over that that limit so I mean is he looking at that now thinking to himself at the end of the day styles make fights and every fight is different Makabu, in my opinion, is an easier fight than Dimitri Bivol. I think Bivol showed how good he was. There was always the feeling from people that Bivol was an exceptional fighter. He proved it. Now, if you watch the Craig Richards victory, and I think Craig Richards actually deserves a lot of credit for his performance in that fight. It's interesting. We'll talk about the Boatsy fight soon. And the Castillo fight, 
You would have, and rightly so, Canelo was the big favourite in that fight. But for a long time, people felt that Bivol had all the ability to go and be a pound-for-pound pound great fighter, and he proved it. It doesn't mean that he can't, Canelo can't beat Makabu, because he can. Can he beat Usyk on that performance? No. Um, but, you know, it was it's difficult. And I think what people don't see, which is good news for Sal and good news for AJ, because it was the same with him, was how devastated they were in defeat. Like, devastated. Not, oh, well, listen, it's been a good run, and it? We got loads of money, and I've won. I got, like, devastated. I went to the golf course with him the next day. I walked around six or seven holes. Devastated. And the same when AJ got beat. These are competitors. These are winners. These are great athletes, great fighters. And they, they, they're, they're there to win. And it kills them inside when they lose. And he's got to come back stronger and he will. What was the conversations immediately after? How quickly did you speak to him kind of after that fight? And obviously you said you spent the day on the golf course with him. But what was he actually saying to you in regards of the fight and kind of what's like going to happen moving forward? I said to him, how did you feel? And he said, I felt tired, to be honest with you. And I, I thought he looked tired after three, four rounds. You know, I said, do you have a good camp? He said, yeah, you know, a few niggles like every fighter does. It's not, you know, he said, but no excuses. He says, I just, you know, I didn't feel great in there. He said, maybe it was the weight, you know, because he didn't make weight. He just probably ate himself up to 174. Um, he also, I think, acknowledges that Dimitri Bivol boxed really well at the same time. Um, but he was just gutted, devastated. And I said, what do you want to do? You know, he said, I want to rematch Bivol. I, I know I can beat him. I said, but, you know, obviously you've got to be right because back-to-back -back defeats for Sal Canelo Alvarez is not a good look. No, no, I will not lose again. I mean, this is, you know, same same with AJ. It's a similar boat. Um, and then he just said, look, we'll sit down with Eddie Reynoso and we'll talk. You know, I mean, obviously the plan was to fight Gennady Golovkin. It's still a huge fight. In fact, the, the funnily enough, the Golovkin fight becomes bigger now because people give Golovkin a chance of winning the fight. Before it was all like, oh, you know, he's 39, 40, whoever he is, he's not going to win the fight. Now people look at that performance and say, okay, maybe Golovkin's got more chance. So that's a massive fight, as is the rematch. And we'll sit down as well with Dimitri, Bivol's team, because we need to plan his future as well with, with him and Vadim and World of Boxing. You know, if, if we have an interim fight for Saul, we'll give Bivol an interim fight, etc. So we'll see. Yeah, I think you make a, a very good point there that the fight with Golovkin now is probably more balanced <sighs> more balanced than yeah. what people would have said prior to this, obviously. And that, that does seem the bigger fight now, surely. If, if he would have um, beaten Dimitri Bivol, people would have said, oh, you know, Golovkin fight, he's, he's a huge favourite now. It's, you know, he's still the favourite, but it's a, it's, a, it's a huge fight, but we'll see. I saw a couple of people talking about Eddie Reynoso. I mean, it's, it's crazy, really. But uh, mentioning Reynoso and, and the tactics for the fight, etc. Just a comment on that. <laughs> I mean, look, I think Eddie Reynoso has done enough over the last few years to sort of prove himself as the best trainer in the world. Um, I guess one of the criticisms were that sort of plan A wasn't working. How did you need to switch it up? But you you got to... People always look for reasons and, you know, rather than saying Dimitri Bivol was brilliant. 
Like he boxed so smart and so disciplined for 12 rounds. So give him the credit. You know, he used his size, he used his speed, he used his fundamentals and he, he won the fight. Could Canelo have done something different? Yeah, maybe switched it up. But, you know, you're giving away a lot of your qualities up at that weight class, you know? And um, just let's just give the respect to Bibber. Quite a few of the fights that you've been involved with Canelo, obviously you have had interest in, uh, with Matchroom, obviously with kind of the opponent, shall we say, like Billy Joe, etc. But with Bivol and his team, I'm assuming they're like, they're professional enough to overlook all that. I know there's a couple of, not digs at you, but almost oh, yeah, like... No, we get on really well. Look, I, I don't want to be a snide. So I'd rather in the build-up to that fight, say, look, obviously I'm close with Canelo. He's the pound-for-pound number one. Obviously, I'm going to be spending more time with him. I'm going to be focused more on him. Dimitri Bivol, we've worked with you for a long time. I promised you I would always deliver this opportunity for you. You've got it. It's over to you. Level playing field. Good luck, lads. But obviously, I'm with Canelo all the time. We're doing media all the time. Like He's a, he's a, he's a megastar. And Frank Smith... Like we joked about it, but he's been very close to World of Boxing and, and Vadim and those guys. And Bivol knew that as well. It's, you know, he, he said after, I think he, although it was a jokey dig about the Gennady Golovkin, that was probably not a jokey dig, the, the, the Golovkin bit, which was, you guys have plans. And we did. I'm not going to lie about it. We probably would have announced it in the ring. So we did have plans, but Dimitri Bivol ripped up those plans and good luck to him and fair play to him. But, you know, I can only, I hate having two fighters in a fight, but I'd rather not be a snide and sort of, you know, go and go to sales room and then run to Dimitri room and tell him, come on, mate, good luck. You know, so I was obviously with the A side of that fight and we love and respect Dimitri and I got him the opportunity and I said to him, go and take it. And he did. And, you know, he's, he's now changed his life. So he's in a great position. Just finally on this, we're assuming September will be his last yeah. fight of 2022, yeah. Who? For Canelo, yeah. Well, he's, sp- he's supposed to fight in December as well, but we'll see. I mean, September 17th will be his fight date, and then we'll, we'll determine who that will be in probably in the next week. Okay, um, moving on from there. Um, Joshua Usyk, what is the current situation as we sit on May the 11th? May the 11th, uh, we sit and say... July 23rd is um, not a concrete date, but I think that's a, there's a very good chance you'll see that fight July 23rd in the Middle East. Um, we have had a number of offers from around the world. We are and have been working through those, and we're closing in on, on that option. Um, Team Usyk have stressed that that's the option that they would prefer because obviously it's a lot of money. Um, and I think even though the money's considerably more than a UK fight, quite, <coughs> quite frankly, I think Team Usyk would rather a neutral venue, and I don't blame him for that. Um, so that's where we're at, and I think, do we announce this week? Pro- probably not, but do we announce yes week, next week? Almost certainly. Um, you will see that fight. You will see that fight in July. And you'll get an official announcement soon. Can I ask what the... All right, so Saudi, Middle East, where, the second closest to to this, was it the UK? Is that what you're saying? 
No, there's a few. I mean, you mentioned Saudi. It's not definitely taking place. And we've had a number of offers from the Middle East. UK is obviously, look, for, for the rematch, it's where AJ would prefer that fight to take place. But it's so far out on the numbers. I mean, US is a more lucrative site. But again, you have to understand this fight is a financial split between Usyk and AJ. We can't just go to London because it's a home advantage for AJ when, you know, you could be talking about two or three times more money to go elsewhere. So, you know, Usyk doesn't care if the fight's in London. I mean, he'd prefer it probably not in the UK, but he would prefer to make the most money possible. AJ would like it in the UK, but just wants the rematch. He's boxed in the Middle East before. He's obviously got had a great win out there. And if that's where it's going to take place, no problem. So we're finalising that. And um, as I said, July, you will see that rematch in a very important fight. Are we any clearer to knowing the UK broadcaster? Obviously, I know you've made comments on it before regarding Sky, Design, etc. But are we to assume that it will land on Sky? No, I think that... Until the deal is done, you know, we, we won't be looking to confirm anything with anybody. And, and the shape of the deal may mean that the rights are available for us in that, you know, sometimes you do a site deal where it includes certain rights and that could be the case in, in one of these deals. So um, there has been no decision, obviously, myself and Freddie Cunningham and 258 and Frank Smith and AJ have been going through offers from Sky, going through offers from DAZN, and you know we, we've been discussing it, and there's meetings today as well about, about that. But we'll um, we'll make a decision on that in due course. But really, the focus is on just finalising the fight and the date because both guys are really in camp now, and we're ready to go. Um, you've obviously over the last week or so made comments regarding uh, Fury as well, with your doubts over kind of his retirement, etc. But we're going to find out soon what's going on, obviously, with the WBC uh, when they clarify their situation with Fury in regards to the belt. Yeah, I guess he's going to be asked, are you retiring? And if you are, as you said you are, we need to vacate the belt. But he's not retiring and he won't be vacating the belt. So that's what I expect to happen. If he does retire, good luck to him. I mean, it's totally... You know, he's the, he's the master of his destiny. And if he wants to walk away from the game, um, fair play to him. I don't think he will. I think he'll fight the winner of AJ against Usyk in December. And it will be, for the Undisputed Championship, it will be a huge fight financially. And it will be a legacy-defining fight. And it will be a fight that can put the winner down as, you know, what we talk about, a generational great, really. Because if AJ beats Usyk and then beats Tyson Fury, he goes down as one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. And if Tyson Fury beats AJ or beats Usyk or whoever wins that fight, he goes down as one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. And, and that's, you know, I think, he, I think he's about that. I think he's about trying to become great. And it's one more fight. So our focus is just make sure AJ beats Usyk in July and hopefully... He can fight Tyson Fury at the end of the year in the biggest fight of all time. Have you had contact with Dillian White recently? I, said, I yeah. think you said you have, yeah. Yeah, I spoke to him a few times and going to have a chat about what, what might be next for him. Um, still got loads to give in the, the sport. I believe he can become a world champion. Um, there's great fights out there for him. Andy Ruiz, Luis Ortiz, Deontay Wilder. So many great fights. AJ, 
um, you know, Usyk, I don't know. I mean, so many fights that, out there for Dillian and he's always proved that he'll fight anybody. So I would like to see him um, get back in the ring as soon as possible. And I'm sure that's what he would like as well. You are the biggest piece of shit in boxing. Is it that? Leonard Ellaby. It's not even a love-hate relationship, is it? It's just... I don't, yeah, I don't know why. I, why would I be the biggest piece of shit in boxing? I mean, I couldn't treat the fighters any better. I pay the fighters as much as we possibly can. I pay them on time, every time. No excuses. I work harder than you could possibly work every single day for the sport of boxing and for my fighters and for our company. So if you think that I'm a piece of shit because I said that the Devin Haney fight was bigger than Javonta Davis or I have certain opinions, then it's not a lot I can do really. So I'm not really like people send me that kind of stuff. Like, oh, have you seen this from Milena Ellaby? I can't even tell you like my pulse doesn't move one spot when I see that because let's be honest, right? In the position that I'm in and the dreams and the goals that I have, Leonard Ellaby has absolutely no relevance to my business or my life, right? I'm on like, there's so many levels between us that is, I don't even know if you can call it levels, stratosphere might be a better way to describe it. Um, he does like a few shows a year. Like, I mean, I don't know. I'll stop there. But I mean, I'm a massive global icon, you know, and he's just like a local promoter in, in Vegas, you know. Um, but I do, I don't know, I suppose it's good really. I don't, I don't mean to annoy people. It's like Espinosa and all these people. They're so rattled. But I do, there's something really bad in me that does find it amusing when people lose. Like, you will never see me really, will you, lose my shit? I might sort of be passionate sometimes, but you'll never see me lose my shit or swear about people or call people a scumbag and all this kind of stuff. But each to their own. There's no point in us stopping now. I was probably, there's probably a time where I was actually going to reach out to Leonard and go, what's the matter? What? What's, what? I don't understand. But there's no point now, is there? We'll just sign Javonta Davis. That'd be quite funny. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't mind Leonard Ellaby. Jokes aside, I, I, I quite, like his, quite like his energy. And I don't mind him calling me that, honestly. I don't mind. At least he's like, at least he's honest. At least he's saying what he feels rather than saying it behind my back. So this is what aggravates people. This what, what? you're doing right now. <laughs> this is what aggravates people because it's what? almost what? like it's almost like people want you to go. You call me a piece of shit, but you're not. You're, you're doing what you do. Honestly. So this is what annoys people. I think. But I couldn't. Again, like life's too short. He doesn't. And like, I don't mean to be rude by saying he's irrelevant, but in my life, he's totally irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. So I'd quite like him to like me, but I'm not going to lose a second of sleep over Leonard Ellaby. So it is what it is. It is what it is, man. 
Okay, uh, let's talk about Conor Ben. Um, where are we with uh, Jose Ramirez? Yeah, I like the fight. I mean, it's definitely a fight that we're targeting. I had a good chat with Top Rank uh, about a number of different um, fights that we're working on with them. And the Jose Ramirez fight is a fight that I really like. Obviously, he wants to be paid a lot of money to come to the UK, but it's a very dangerous fight. I mean, you're talking about a unified, um, you know, light welterweight world champion who's moved to, to welterweight. He's an elite, elite fighter. So I'm going to catch up with Conor Ben this week and we've got to decide because we're going July 9th at the O2, either with Conor or with another big, big fight. So if Conor doesn't go July 9th, he'll probably go in August and we've just got to work it all out. But we've made an offer to top rank, which we're discussing. And yeah, I, d I don't know if we'll get there, but it's definitely a fight that I like. What are the other options? Obviously, we've sp spoken about kind of a next phase of Connor's progression, etc. So, if it's not a Ramirez, yeah, right. I mean, Connor wants to fight Keith Thurman, which I think he's a very, very. I mean, I'd like to have one more before he fights Keith Thurman. Just being straight up, but he's just ready to go. I mean, obviously, he was disappointed. Kel Brook chose to retire. Best wishes to him. Um, Mikey Garcia, I mean, Maurice Hooker. You know, and people think that I'm throwing Maurice Hooker in because that's an easier fight, and that's apparently what I do when I throw in names. But I actually, I do sometimes, but I didn't just then because um, I don't think it'll be Maurice Hooker. But like being honest, Jose Ramirez is the one that I would love to get through. Um, you're always going to get this Avenesian thing chucked at you. It seems like it's, I don't know, does, that name doesn't seem to be going away whatsoever. And I, I don't rule that fight out. All I can tell you is, is that the money that the zone would pay for a Jose Ramirez fight versus the money they would pay for an Avenesian fight and the size of that fight globally. Obviously, if I can get Jose Ramirez over David Avenesian, no disrespect, we, we have to do that, you know. But as I said before, Conor Ben against Avenesian is a very good fight. And if we can't get a big name, we would consider Avenesia. Okay. Um, was it you that said that you doubt whether that kind of sells out an O2? Was it, did you say that? I, I, I certainly don't think... I mean, you, selling out the old O2, sorry, not the selling out the O2 and 16, 17,000 tickets is not something that a lot of people do. You know that, don't you? Like, Ben Avenesian, does that sell out the O2? Well, I mean, in my opinion, yes, it does. Do. You can buy the gate off me, and then that's fine, and we'll do it. Yeah, uh, obviously, you, said, you know the numbers good. better. I'm just saying, it's no, just an no, opinion no, I have. I think sometimes you're a little bit too close, and you don't realise that actually not a lot of people know who David Evanesian is. Great fighter, um, you know, but again, we, we go back and forwards on this, and Apparently, you know, another like Lennon Ellaby, apparently like, I'm rude about David Avenesian. I can't stress enough what a nice guy, what a great fighter David Avenesian. It's just that I would like a big name that resonates worldwide and in the US as well. And if I can get Jose Ramirez for Conor Ben, I'm sure that anyone with a brain would understand that is a bigger, better fight for, for the global profile of Conor Ben. Okay, Derek Chisora, what's happening with him? You've said that there's potentially a big fight for Chisora yeah. in the pipeline. I'm working on a great fight for Derek Chisora. Oh, I'd love to make it. It would be so much fun. Um, we are in the final stages of negotiation for that fight. Hopefully we can get it made. And, you know, again, that could be July 9 or August, depending on where Connor goes as well. So 
just looking to finalise that over the next week. So it will be one of Chizora or, or kind of Ben that headline yeah, that show. Exactly, yeah. Just stick them on the same show, couldn't you? Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. There's that money I don't know yeah, about. Yeah. Um, so either or Chizora possibly in August and, and kind of Ben in. So why wouldn't kind of Ben fight if you couldn't secure him a, a name that you were happy with for because July? Because if, say, Ramirez wasn't ready for July 9 and wanted to go in August, then we would wait. So, you know, July 9 is coming up to, I think, nine or 10 weeks now. So some fighters might not be ready for that date. And if we need the right opponent, as I said, we know we're under pressure now with regards to Conor Ben to get him the step up and get him the right opponent. And, you know, if, if we have to wait till August for that fight, but Conor's ready to go July 9. A quick one on Katie Taylor. Um, obviously, just, yeah, a stunning week in, in New York and like the plans moving forward for her now, I mean, like opponent-wise. Just one of the greatest nights, one of the greatest weeks. Um, Moving forward, she's desperate to do Croke Park, desperate. So of the Irish government, um, they've been, I think, talking to her. Brian Peters had a couple of chats. We'd, we'd love to do it. Whether we can or not, we'll see. We are, you know, I've had a couple of messages from um, um, Chris Cyborg's team um, and also uh, Holly Holmes' team. That's a potential fight. I'd love to make the rematch with Amanda Serrano, if we can have those sensible conversations there as well. It was a great fight. And I think the rematch will be even better. But Katie is quite adamant that if we could make it work at Croke Park, that would be an event that would be, you know, just historic for her. What did you make of uh, De La Hoya's tweet to Canelo? Just, I mean, he's just on another planet. And it like, just, I don't know. You never know what he's doing what at that particular time when he's on social media. I mean, he could be in Mars for all we know, but um, they just got to let it go, you know? Like, Canelo left him, just let it go. Like, and just live your life. Just name me three people of influence in America that like you, like out of the promoters, broadcast people, etc. cetera. Design? No, oh. not people that you're affiliated with. Okay. Um, promoters Robert Diaz from Golden Boy he likes oh, Robert yeah maybe Eric Gomez might like me Oscar probably don't like me um, Carl Moretti from Top Rank get on very well with Carl Brad Jacobs those guys does Bob like me no probably not um, PBC they hate me um, Stephen Espinosa he hates me um, no not many no Barstool, my new mates at Barstool, they like me. Basically, all the cool nouveau people like me. And the older generation who have been mopped by the bitterness stick don't like me. Okay, we are finishing up. Kelbrook retired yes. this week. Um, obviously, someone that you guided and helped with the, the Sean Porter fight for him to become world champion all those many years ago. World fights, yeah. Um, had a great run with Kel. I'll catch up with him soon because, you know, we had a, he was a big part of my, my life, really, and definitely my career. Um, one of the first to sign with me when I started promoting. Obviously, went and um, beat Sean Porter. Had a lot of ups and downs, you know, terrible injuries. Um, but the, the nicest thing is that he walks away from the sport with a lot of money, with his faculties in place. And, hopefully live, live a great life.
And uh, I think he's, he looks, I haven't spoke to him, but he looks comfortable with his decision. I was, I was trying to goad him into the fight with Kel Brook, uh, with Connor, because I knew the only way I could get him was to goad him into it, because he's a competitor as well. But I think he's obviously, the fire's gone. Beat Amir Khan, made a load of money. And go enjoy yourself, mate. Hopefully he stays in the sport. And uh, best of luck to him and his family and lovely mum, Julie, and Terry and everybody. You know, they had a, they had a great run. Is Billy Joe Saunders teasing a comeback? Yeah, I suppose I'm going to have a chat with Billy um, this week, actually. I'd love to see Billy back in the ring. But Billy's a massive character of British boxing. Love, hate, whatever you want to call it. But has so much talent and still has a lot to give. So I'd love to see him focused and back in the ring. So we'll see. Will Andrade, Andrade, sorry, uh, vacate that WBO, do you think? What do you think will happen? Yeah, I mean, he's supposed to fight Zach Parker, but was injured. So now he's got a decision to make. And... Um, you know, I think you'll see Andre move up to and stay at 168. Okay. Uh, finally, just a show run up. Obviously, you're in Milan this week. Big uh, fight. Yeah. Big fight. Uh, Scardina against Acaridis. Massive fight for Italy. You have about 6,000 in there, which for them is huge. That's this Friday on the zone. Then you've got um, Zerdo Ramirez on Saturday, Golden Boy Show on the zone. Next Saturday, do not miss. I know we've had a lot of focus on Katie Taylor and, and Canelo, but Boatsy Richards is going to be a banger at the O2, plus Chantel Cameron Unified Titles, plus Alan Savage Babich. Who's he fighting? Um, he's fighting Adam Bowski for the WB. Edward, sorry, this card ran out. He was in full flow. Well, we were. Where were we were talking about this Friday, massive show in Milan, Scardina against the Carolis. It's going to have about 6,000 in there. And don't forget next Saturday. I know there's been a lot of focus on Taylor and Canelo, but Boatsy Richards, May 21st, O2 Arena. Big card. Chantel Cameron defending a unified world championships. Great fight for Alan Babich against Bowski from Poland for the WBC Cruiserweight title. Tough fight for Robbie Davis Jr. Great fight for Ellie Scottney against Cecilia Roman. Um, and then where are we? The week after that. Oh, and Friday night there, we've got, don't forget, um, Leharaja um, fighting Metcalf. Great fight in Bilbao. That's Friday the 20th. June, June the 10th in Mexico, Bermudez against Kayaguchi, great fight. June 25th in, I'll come back to June 4th in a minute, June 25th in America, World Championship quadruple header with um, Jesse Rodriguez against Rung Visayas. That's actually a really good card, by the way. Actually a really good side. What do you think I fucking do every week? Akhmad Aliyev against um, Rios, Jessica McCaskill against Ibarra, Julio Cesar Martinez against Arroyo. That is an unbelievable card. And June the 4th, in Cardiff, do not forget Joe Caldina. Massive fight against Agawa for the world title in the super featherweight division. Such a huge night for him and Welsh boxing. Selfa Barrett for the European title as well. Lorraine Richards will be on that card and we'll announce the full run-up for that this week. Okay. Will hopefully be announced next week. And so will AJ. We're absolutely smashing the granny out of it, to be fair. Fair play. And... Uh... Just, just so if people didn't forget. My old man has been selling his book all over the country and it might actually outperform me. I don't know why these are here anyway, but Relentless still available. Eddie, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, we'll catch up with you ahead of Boatsy Richards. We'll do. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the IFL TV podcast, proudly sponsored by Everlast. Sports Social Podcast Network.